nerve conduction study. And when she finished her testing, I remember her looking at me and saying, um, I feel pretty sure that it's SMA. And I just remember like, my whole world just crumbled because yeah. it was like, there's no hope. You yeah. know, this is a disease that's, it's, there's no cure. This right. is not fixable. Right. And my biggest thing that I struggled with at the time was that Caleb couldn't play on playgrounds, you know, oh, because yeah. he couldn't walk. Yeah. And he was weak and he had also lost his ability to crawl by that point. And so, like, I just wanted him to be able to play on playgrounds. I don't know why I fixated on that. Welcome back to the Leading with Vulnerability podcast. On today's episode, I have part two of my conversation with Carrie Merrigan. Uh, if you didn't listen to part one, Carrie shares some stories about uh, when her husband was wounded overseas uh, and some of the, you know, just what she's been through as a military spouse. And in part two, she's going to get a little more personable, personal, talk about her family, uh, what it's like raising two children with special needs and just some of the story behind all of that. So I hope you enjoy today's episode. Um, and without further ado, we'll get into part two with Carrie American. Yeah, that's, it's, it's an amazing story. Like I said, if you haven't listened to that story, go listen to it, but we'll transition now and talk a little bit more okay. about you and some of the life outside the military, yeah. which has also been a challenge, right? And you've had to show some resiliency. Both of you had, um, you talked about it. You lost your first child. Yes. Um, you had trouble getting pregnant, I right. believe. Right. Right. Um, what was that kind of like? You, not only how long after you came back in the army did that start? Did you guys start so trying to have kids? We actually we started trying to have kids. Or I came off birth control when we were in New Mexico, and then um, I was I was one of those girls that like always wanted to be a mom. Right. And so, it, but Canaan wasn't quite ready. He he had a different timeline, which <laughs> is a good thing. But um, so. It took us a really long time and I was starting to worry if there might be issues and you know we weren't those people that just got pregnant right away it took right. a really long time and then finally I did get pregnant and um I think it was March 2006 I remember you know and of course you know everybody else around me was getting pregnant oh, so yeah. hard. and so I got pregnant and I was just thrilled and I went out probably like the next day or the next week and bought like baby towels oh, yeah. and baby clothes. It was just everything I had hoped for. So I was just like, over the moon. This is it, yeah. over the moon. Right. And so um, when I went, I went in at I think seven weeks because I was having some spotting and uh, they told me they couldn't find a heartbeat. And I was like, no, <laughs> yeah, this is not this, happening. This, it, you're wrong. You know, something similar had happened with my sister where oh. they same time frame and they hadn't been able to find a heartbeat. And I was like, listen, same thing happened with my sister. It's going to be oh, fine. Right. And then another doctor comes in and I'm just like trying to find the heartbeat. They can't find the heartbeat. And they're all saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was like, why are you saying you're sorry? Stop. Oh. And um, so they told me I could wait a week if I wanted to. And so I, I did. I waited yeah. a week. That was a long second, week. second longest week of my life. Yeah, wow. And um, I remember going back out and like as I was driving to the hospital to go have the ultrasound, like just this sinking feeling. Right. And I went and not only could they not find the heartbeat, but um, the, the, my body had begun to break the baby down. And that was mine and Kanan's three-year anniversary. The, um, and 
He was deployed. I was going to say, was he deployed? He was deployed. Right. That was his first deployment back. Right. And um, I had to have a DNC, you know, because I didn't have like a miscarriage. Yeah. And so I had a DNC procedure and I just, it, it was just a sorrow beyond description. Right. You and know? you, and your husband's not here to right. He did come home. They did me. send him home, though, right? Yeah, I, I told him not to come home. <laughs> he always does that. Always comes home. That's good. You know, That's it, a good I thing. Know. That's a good thing. I know thing. it's good. But uh, he came home, and we, you know, he was there with me going through that that whole grieving process, right. and it would just, I think it felt like such a, a greater grief because we had had difficulty in right. getting pregnant right. and then you know because i had wanted to be pregnant for so long and then to just have this elation right and for it to be over so so fast right that's did you at any moment just kind of did you ever have the why me why like oh, after yeah. everything i've been oh, through yeah. why is this happening to me type oh, stuff of course. Yeah. how do you get through that you know at the time uh, well i have yeah i'm a christian right and so i have a really strong faith and, you know, at the time I really, I leaned into God and there was, there are a couple of songs. I yeah. don't know if everybody else does that, but there are a couple of songs that really meant a lot to me. One was by um, Natalie Grant called Miles. And it's just this story about, um, like there's a mother on her knees in this one place and um, she's praying and begging for her son's life because he's just been hit by a car. And there's another mother on her knees that is, you know, in the hospital with her baby that needs a heart transplant. And so like this one mom, you know, is losing her son and this other mom's getting a heart for her son. And just that dual nature of life of that, that, that joy and sorrow right next to each other. And that song just really meant a lot to me during that time. And I've really pulled heavily on my faith. Yeah. That's, so you went through all that. Kanan comes home. Yeah. And then you eventually get pregnant with Caleb. Yes. Right? So how, how did that all happen? So that was really funny because, you know, that was just a fiasco because Kanan was like going all these places and I'm doing um, fertility injections. We had actually been to see a reproductive endocrinologist. Right. And, you know, I had some very like minor stuff wrong with me. Like I just... It wasn't anything like you can't get pregnant. It was just like, we got to help you get pregnant. Right. And so I was giving myself self injections, you know, to do all the things in the abdomen. And I'm you like, do it yourself? Uh-huh. I did not know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, there are women out there who have dealt with infertility and multiple, multiple failures. Um, I, I am not in the league with them. Right. You know, my, my bout with infertility was very short. And my first um, attempt at getting pregnant with fertility treatment worked. Right. And so I just I have that perspective. There right. are women out there who go through much, much harder things than that. So um, I, I did that. We were like coordinating when he was going to be home because, you know, he has yeah. to be home if I'm going to get pregnant. <laughs> right. And um, so we did like <laughs> drawing out calendars <laughs> and scheduling. It was so like. Uh, and he came home you better and, be ready came right? when you get home from this <laughs> right and then um i see i remember you know they they tell you to come in i think like 10 days after uh-huh. and they knew that i had this is crazy this is kind of a crazy statistic i want to say i had about four four um oh what are they called four i was going to ovulate four eggs right you know because they with fertility treatments it's like 
a lot of follicles will develop to release eggs. Right. And so, um, you know, like what happens if all four? Oh, oh, yeah. Get fertilized, and then we really are having yeah, <laughs> triplets or triplet. quadruplets. Right. You know. And so I remember tr- talking with the doctor talking with me about that, and I was like, I'm not worried about you know. Just. Yeah. And then when I went in that at that ten day. They did their, uh, they did the blood test and I think they, I want to say it was like October 5th or something of 2000, what, what would that have been? 2007. Okay. October, 2007, yep. got the phone call and they had done the blood test and they were like, you're pregnant. Oh, what? Wow. So what, grateful, what emotions come over Oh my you? gosh. Was Kane in there when he, yes, when he found we out? Were, so we that's we good. were like driving in the car. I remember the moment, you know, he was driving, I was riding and. I think we both kind of knew. We yeah, suspected it. That's good. And um, it was just, I mean, just totally thrilled. Again, over the moon again. Right. <laughs> so you made it, got all the way through that pregnancy. Yes. Caleb's yep. born. Yep. Right. Um, and then Caleb has SMA. SMA. Right? Which is, stands for? Spinal muscular atrophy. Right. So, and you didn't know that oh, going no. in. You didn't know that no. for a while after he was born. What did that kind of kind of look like? And how did you discover all that? No clue. And I, I mean, it's a really long drawn out story, but I'll condense it just for the sake of time. But it was basically, you know, because of the type that he has, there are different types. And oh, just so everybody knows, it's a progressive neuromuscular disease that affects the motor neurons, which are the neurons you need for movement. Um, they affect swallowing, breathing, crawling, walking, right? Um, all of that. And so those neurons are damaged or destroyed, and therefore the muscles atrophy. And it's progressive, you know, meaning it continues to get worse over time. And so neither one of us had ever heard of it. It's a genetic disease, so both parents have to be carriers. Right. Just like cystic fibrosis. Right. You know, we've all heard of cystic fibrosis. You know, we get screened for it. Um, but none of us, there was no family history. I was going to say no family knew. history Yeah, no it. family history that we knew of on either side. Um, we were both carriers, but we had no idea until, you know, Caleb was diagnosed. And the, the really crazy thing about the type that he has is it's more moderate. I mean, that's so relative because it's, it's debilitated. I mean, right. he's completely wheelchair bound. He cannot stand, um, he can't bear weight. I mean, so it's it's debilitating, but there's a more severe type. And so, but because of the type he had, the the babies that have this usually follow their milestones pretty normally. Oh. You know, so he rolled over, he crawled all on the right timeline. He was um, cruising, you know, he was doing everything. The only thing that was maybe a little bit of a, maybe a flag was that he was really, really scrawny and skinny. And he was, he like around a year, they were saying he's failure to thrive. And so it was really more a workup of why is this kid not gaining weight at first? You know, they, there wasn't really a, you know, he wasn't walking at one, but that's not that unusual, right. you know? Yeah, no. So. So uh, when did you finally find out? Did you have to go to a bunch of specialists to we figure did. out? We did. We went through to so many doctors over so much time. And it was just a matter of like, we finally saw a geneticist in Atlanta who said, you know, with what Caleb has, here are the three main possibilities. And one of them was spinal muscular atrophy. And so we went through the process of getting him tested. And um, then he was hospitalized because he still wasn't gaining weight. So he saw a GI doctor. Um, this was around his second birthday. 
I was on the way to visit my sister, and on the way, I stopped by a GI doctor who wanted to hospitalize him on the spot. Oh, wow. And I was like, I mean, it's his birthday, you know, so can we, can we wait? You know, I'm going to see my sister for a week. Can I come back on the way back, you know, and, and can we stop then? And so she hospitalized him. And that was the thing she said, you know, we don't know what's wrong with him, um, but I'm not going to let him just waste away. Right. She was a great doctor. Yeah. She she just stepped up and was like, we're going to find out if we, if we don't have to find out what's wrong, but we're going to get some meat on his bones. You right. Know? So she she got an NG tube ordered, and you know, as he's in the hospital, this adorable little two year old, you know, and he's getting all this, um, you know, all this testing, and yeah. it was hard, but it was like we were finally getting somewhere, right? You know, right? Yeah, getting clarity, but it's right, right. And then when did you when did the actual diagnosis happen? So. The neurologist came into the room and had to do these tests, which they're not as bad. I mean, you may have even, have you had an EMG before? No. You know, an EMG is where they put the, the little needles in your muscles and try to like make them do stuff. Um, I've had one and they're not super painful, but they're uncomfortable. And so they're doing this to a two-year-old little boy and, you know, trying to, oh, yeah. can't explain it, you know, and he's screaming and crying yeah. and I'm a wreck and... Um, she did another something called, I think, a nerve conduction study. And when she finished her testing, I remember her looking at me and saying, um, I'm, I feel pretty sure that it's SMA. And I just remember like, my whole world just crumbled because right. it was like, there's no hope. Yeah. You know, this is a de- disease. That's, it's, there's no cure. This right. is not fixable. Right. And my biggest thing that I struggled with at the time was that Caleb couldn't play on the playgrounds, you know, because oh, yeah. he couldn't walk. Yeah. And he was weak and he had also lost his ability to crawl by that point. And so, like, I just wanted him to be able to play on playgrounds. I don't know why. I fixated on that. And so I remember after she told me, I walked into the bathroom at the hospital and I just... The, the dam broke oh. and I just cried and cried because it was that realization. He's never going to play on the playground. Oh, that's uh, and Canaan deployed during this time. Um, so I'm trying to remember he, he was deployed. Yes. During so, all of some of this process, some of this sure. process. Um, but he came home and I don't remember if he was home in time for Caleb's. He was there. I know he was there. I just don't remember. I want to say maybe when I found out that, he was going to be hospitalized, right. that I probably started the process to get him home and yeah. that he may have been home by the time he hospitalized. He was hospitalized. So Caleb's 13 now. Yes. Right. Um, uh, I mean, your day to day is pretty full with him because yeah. he's wheelchair bound and you homeschool mm-hmm. both of your kids. Mm-hmm. Correct. So how has that been the last 13 years taking care of him and well, he went to public school for the first um, until he was what ten through fifth grade. Yeah, and so that that was really good because he had an IEP and he could get therapies at school. And um, also, you know, that was a little bit of a break for me when he was at school during the day. Um, for, really, I would say probably for the first maybe ten years, I was Caleb's primary caregiver. Right, you know, I was just. Dr. Mom, I was all over it. I did all his care. You know, that was just the way I wanted it to be and yeah. the way it worked naturally because of Canaan and his job and everything that he was doing. 
Um, and so, not to say that Canaan didn't help. Right. He, he helped. Oh, yeah. Uh, babe, you helped. <laughs> so, anyway, um, it was just, I was very vigilant about, you know, his his respiratory therapy. This is kind of like a backwards. But when yeah. he got hospitalized when he was five because he was in respiratory failure. Um, and that's when he started having to use um they actually airlifted him to Atlanta. But that's when he started having to use special respiratory equipment because with SMA, the kids or people that have SMA, they don't have an adequate cough. Oh, okay. And so you have specialized equipment. You have this like little vest thing that can like shake them up. And then oh, wow. they have like a machine that imitates cough and they have all kinds of, you know, they have great stuff. It's wonderful to have this because, you know, before... What could, you know, you did a lot of manual CPT where you're like oh, wow. on their back and stuff. And so it's great to have all that equipment, but it's, it's a lot. It to is do. a lot. Yeah. And so, um, that, the, those are kind of like the day to days of what we do with him. And now, um, so he has a, he has a standing frame is it used to be he had a standing frame that we would take him out of his wheelchair and put him in a standing frame, but now his wheelchair will go to a standing position, which is wonderful. And so, we have to, you know, get him standing. He's got to have his braces on to do that. He's got to do his specialized respiratory equipment um, every day for maintenance. And then um, if he's sick, like just constantly, yeah. you know, because we're clearing those secretions. We're getting those because respiratory issues are what really is dangerous for any, you know, any Anybody, person with um, something like that. Yeah. So COVID comes along. That had to be. Right. 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 Yes. <laughs> Yes. quarantine the house type stuff yeah that's just amazing that you do all that and we could probably talk for hours just on oh, all, sure. all of that in the process but you there's some treatments that he you guys go oh, to yeah. right down yeah, in orlando so, um and that's kind of that kind of is a good segue yeah. into um harper because there was harper's our second child she's six and um she's well I'm not going to go there. Just give me it. We'll get there. But yeah. Spinraza is a treatment that was in development. It was actually in development at the time Caleb was diagnosed and had been in development for some time. I don't think they were calling it Spinraza then. But it was approved by the FDA um, like Christmas 2016. And it's it's not a cure. Mm -hmm. um, it's It's fantastic. It's doing so much for the kids that get it when they're diagnosed early and receive it early. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's totally altering the trajectory. Right. But for kids like Caleb, you know, where so much of the damage is already done, it's more like um, they're looking at it as maybe stabilization or slowing down the progression of the disease. Right. And you, uh, you go down there, how often do you have to go so down there? So they, both kids go every four months, right. which winds up we go every two months but we've kind of worked out this thing now where i go with harper and Kanan goes with caleb okay uh yeah and we'll get into we'll, we'll talk about harper okay. and what kind of leads up to that because yeah. that's kind of crazy okay. so you there was a small percentage chance that even though you both carry the gene oh, for yeah. sma that mm -hmm. it would still that it would get trans that caleb would get it right mm -hmm. it's pretty low yes yeah, like a one or two percent chance yeah and that. then but because of that you weren't going to have or weren't going to have other kids. Is that right? Because of the risk potentially? Oh, yeah. There? So what we wound up doing is we were going to wait and see how our carrier testing came out. Yeah. And we did get carrier tested. And when we both found out that we were definitely carrier yeah. carriers for them at that point, we decided like, you know, we can't have any more biological children, which we didn't think would be a problem because right. I had infertility. And, right. You know. 
so you go through that, um, uh, decide you're not going to have any more biological, biological children. children. Yes. Go into an adoption process, right? Yeah, and that was a long time in the making. Right. Canaan did not want any more kids. Oh, okay. So yeah. you're going to do some convincing. I had to do that. some work on that. Yeah, so, yeah. And to sum it up, and then you go back and, and deep dive a little bit. Yeah. You are in the adoption process yeah. pretty far along. Yes. Have a child, I think. Selected or at least a location. We right? had a yes. We were going to adopt from Bulgaria. We had we were about to submit our dossier to the Bulgarian government. Yeah, and you and, find out. And uh, you know, we I want to say we were maybe like five or six thousand dollars in, and yeah. we had had our home study. And I mean, we were we were, we were in. Committed. We were ready. Right. I had a little girl in Bulgaria. Right. You know right. that was in my mind. Right. The way that I saw it. I don't know if Canaan was, you know, quite to that point, right. um, but he was, you know, on board. Right. And so, um, <laughs> and then I found out I'm pregnant. Right. And you weren't trying to no. this time, right? No, I mean, I couldn't get pregnant. Right. So it was just like the biggest shock of my life. Right. And if you could just kind of talk through, like yeah, we sure. talked about how all that transpired and everything. <laughs> So we had taken, Caleb was in Cub Scouts at the time. And so it was like Pinewood Derby or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and so Kanan says I was not very nice at that time. <laughs> and that's how I knew I was pregnant. And so um, we had taken Caleb to that. And I was just like, well, I'm late, but I'm late. I'm always late. It's not unusual for me. And so I was like, but what if, what if, you know? Yeah. And so I had always... As much as I knew I shouldn't get pregnant, I had always wanted to have that experience again, right. you know, to get pregnant and have the pregnancy and be a mom and all that. And so um, I was like, well, let's just go to the dollar store and get a pregnancy test. And my mom had come to the Pinewood Derby with us. And so she just took Caleb to like Barnes and Noble or something like that. And Kane and I went and got the pregnancy test. We went home. I took it. It was positive. I said a lot of words. <laughs> they were happy words. Right, yeah. But I was so shocked. I just, I never, ever expected it would actually happen. Right. You know? And it, it happens. Um, so after you find out you're pregnant, you're in the adoption process there. Oh, and yeah. you ended up having to, you went, yes. went away from the adoption because of what you did with, the, right. with your we, daughter. So what, what our thought process was, and we had talked about it. You know, so with every pregnancy with SMA, there's a one in four chance for the baby to have SMA for with because Canaan and I are carriers. So that's why I mentioned that interesting fact about, you know, with Caleb, I had four. Right. And then the one in four um, was Caleb with SMA. And now, you know, here we are. We've we've got a baby. We got a 75 percent chance this baby's going to be healthy. Right. And I was like, there's no way she's going to have SMA. Right. You know, I mean, the odds are in our favor. And so, but we decided we were going to have, um, get it diagnosed anyway, have amniocentesis. It wouldn't have affected, you know, the, the, what we did with the pregnancy. We just wanted to know. Right. And so we had amniocentesis in May of 2015. And let's see if I can remember this all up. And early May, actually, actually. And then I. I think it was late May, I got the phone call <laughs> sitting outside of my son's physical therapy and I'm, you know, loading him up in his wheelchair in our wheelchair van and it had taken long. Yeah. And I was kind of like, it's not supposed to take this long. And the genetic counselor got on the phone and she was like, you know, 
I'm so sorry. She has SMA. And I was just like, how is that even possible? Right. Going back into that disbelief and not wanting to believe it's true. Um, So you find out she has SMA. You're in the middle of the adoption process still at this time. Right. 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 Thanks for getting me back on track. You decided decided (laughs) not to follow through with that. We were if... If she had not had SMA, yep. we were going to continue the adoption process. But when we found out she had SMA, it's like, okay, we have two special needs children. And, you know, even the, the healthiest adopted child in the world is special needs right. because they have the trauma of abandonment, right. you know, and that would be three special needs children. And we just didn't feel like our family was equipped right. to take that on. So we had to um, terminate our adoption contract. So yeah, you have the double whammy there, mm-hmm. if you will. You find out your your expected daughter SMA, mm-hmm. and then you're the one that you have that you're going to adopt. Right. You have to you make a a very rational decision yeah. there, right? To not to not adopt, and because you don't know that what's going to be right. like with right. with Harper, right? Right. right. Um, well, what we were expecting is, you know, we're going to have two kids in wheelchairs, right? Yeah. But that's not the case, no. right? No, that's, that is not the case. That's not at all a, a sad, sad story yeah, here, right? Because right. let's um, discuss the treatments that she gets, that she's taking so, and how she's doing. For sure. So it was the craziest thing. You know how you were talking about coincidences earlier? This is one of those. I mean, if you ever believe there was a God thing, this is a God thing. Um, I found out on Facebook that uh, a doctor in Orlando was recruiting... Uh, pre-symptomatic, let's see if I can say this right, pre-symptomatic di- babies diagnosed with SMA in utero. <laughs> so oh, uh, okay. babies that haven't been born yet yep, and that have an SMA diagnosis, So, which we did, you know, because yeah. we'd done the amniocentesis for a clinical trial. So he's recruiting them for a clinical trial. I find out about it. I call and um, they pre-screen us for the trial and say, you know, okay, well, it looks like you're good. And so we decided, you know, we were going to yeah. give it a try. And all that, the, that's after she's born, right? That you go into it. It's not right. Oh, yes. Right. Yes. So it was the pre-symptomatic part was after birth. So, you know, the more severe forms of SMA are usually symptomatic upon birth. On birth yeah. um, but the chances are typically in families, the SMA type is the same. So there was a pretty strong prediction that she would be a type two. Okay. And the symptoms are not usually present at right. birth. So as long as she was um, asymptomatic, she could be enrolled in the trial. That was right. really, you know, the big criteria. Right. And so we decided that, you know, we would go down there after she was born. Um, I went in, I didn't go into labor. I was induced and um, they a little bit early and I called them and they said, you know, well, and you come down here, you know, like two days after she's born. Right. I was like, no. <laughs> you know, I mean, we really thought about it. Yeah. But it was just, we could not do it. Right. And so we took the chance, you know, that was there, is she, was she going to be showing symptoms in two weeks? And right. was she not going to be able to go in the trial? It was a chance that we, you know, felt comfortable taking. And I do remember this, this is kind of cool, but all the doctors and, and just us in our experiences with Harper, how strong she was, uh-huh. how incredibly strong she was at birth. Unbelievable. So strong. So you end up going to Orlando, mm-hmm. right? And yep. she gets uh, enrolled yep. in the trial. And how yep. is she doing now? She's doing great. Yeah. She has been getting uh, these injections since she was two weeks old. 
and they do like a loading schedule. So they get a few right back to back and then they go every four months after that. And she has um, met her milestones. She's walking, she's running, she's doing parkour. Oh. <laughs> um, so it's, it's not a hundred percent. She right. does have some little residual things, but compared to what it could have been, right. You know, and what's the outlook long-term? They don't know yet. They don't know. So she's probably one of the one of the first yeah. ones that oh, does yeah. this. So she's yeah. just like a case study. For sure, as she goes through. And they her, do. They continue. They continue to extend the clinical trial. And there's a part of me that wonders if they're just going to keep doing it, you know, into adulthood. Right. Because you know, it's just some of the first kids that have been able to like be pre-symptomatic and have this treatment, you know, from the beginning. Well, that, that's a good, that's great that that's, oh my gosh. Cause it, you know, Such that takes a, a little weight off of you. It does. If you had two wheelchair bound kids, right, I mean, right. you would do it. You've been through yeah, everything, but for sure. yeah, it's, I, maybe at some point you kind of had a, I finally got a break. Oh yeah, here. yeah, for sure. Yeah. Really did. And just lean into that faith a little bit more. Absolutely. You know, I had so many people and friends that were praying and praying for Harper to be healed and, um, you know, I don't know where I stand on healing, but I, you know, I know God uses medicine. Right. And I, I, I just like, I mean, she wasn't healed per se. Right. But I mean, look at her. Yeah. Just unbelievable. And I'll say, so when we spoke on the phone, mm-hmm. uh, I've known you, I've known Kanan for a long time. Um, you're an incredibly resilient person. You've been through a lot through Kanan, through your kids, through everything. But even you kind of admitted you kind of had a oh, you yeah. kind of reached a breaking point at one point on there, and I'm really big on mental health and yes. taking care of yourself and mental health and how important it is and how often we overlook it and don't ask oh, for yeah. help. And can you just t- talk about it a little bit oh, and what okay. that meant for you and what it took for you to finally say, "Hey, I need some I need, I need some help here." I need help. You know, well, I have a history of depression, so I had depression in college and saw a counselor and was on medication. And then I had, I, I kind of had struggled with it some throughout life. And I just, I realized that I was depressed. Right. Um, and that I had probably been depressed for at least a year, maybe two. And is this recent, by the way? Is this, it is. It yeah, was okay. a year, it was a year ago. Okay. Yeah. Just for some perspective, yep. perspective. It was there. a year ago. And, you know, par- I think part of that was just because I had, put so much on myself for so long, right? you know, to do everything that I could and that I was supposed to be able to do it alone. I don't know where we get that mindset. Right. You know, I thought, think about that quote, yeah. you know, no, no man is an Island. You know, right. why do we, why do we think we're supposed to be, why do we think we are not supposed to need help? Right. And so Caleb, Caleb had just gotten another um, diagnosis of severe sleep apnea and that's the thing with SMA is like the hits just keep going. Yeah, it's another respiratory thing on top of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So um, he had been diagnosed with that. My mom had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Um, I was dealing with health issues. I've dealt with health health issues for years. Um, I can't remember if I had been diagnosed with POTS by then or not. But um, you know, health issues that cause like a lot of fatigue and then oh, yeah. stuff like that. And so I just reached a point where I was just so sad. Um, just, you know, Caleb gives me a hard time because he's like, mom, 
stop being, don't, don't be like this. And I'm, but I mean, yeah. my heart just breaks right. over and over every day because of what he faces, right. what he goes through. Right. And if you could see that kid when he has his back surgeries and the staples in his back, he had like, I want to say 80 something yeah. staples in his back, the courage and the strength you know, like you see the pictures right. and the smiles, like the highlight reels, but you don't see the agony, right? the kind of agony that this kid goes through. And that's know? probably some of the reason you don't ask for help because you say, if Caleb's going through this, who am <laughs> I, right? Maybe, maybe. Yeah. I can't complain about back pain to him. We <laughs> right. have this joke. I'll be like, hey, man, my back's really hurting. He's like, really, mom? <laughs> I'm like, sorry. Sorry, buddy. So, um... Just, you know, the, the, just when you have a kind of trauma that repeats itself, yeah. you know, so like with childhood, you know, like all your, your kids front, your friend's kids yes. are meeting these milestones. They're going on to do these things. They're playing football. Caleb yeah. loves football. Right. Oh my gosh. You know, and he actually plays adaptive football, but you know, for me and for Canaan, there's just this grief of, what will never be yeah. for Caleb, you yeah. know, and um, it just as as you grow up and the kids are doing new things, it's like one more thing, right? One more thing, and so dealing with that kind of grief, you know, has just, I guess, worn me out. Yeah, it gets heavy. Gets, it gets heavy. heavy. Yeah, and then the physical demands, you know, of taking care of um, special needs child children, you know worth every second right you know and for the longest time i thought my purpose in life was to be caleb's legs right so i would you know try to hold him in the bouncy house and help him jump and you know i reached a point where i realized i can't be caleb's legs right you know and so there was some acceptance for that and then there was also just that knowledge that i had to let people help me right and yeah. i'm a two on the enneagram so that means I, that's my, I am the helper. Right. That's yeah. what I do. Right. And part of that is helping. It's yeah. how I take care of myself. But the other part of it is that's how I avoid my own pain. Right. And so it was just, you know, getting therapy, you know, have a therapist and psychiatrist who manages my medications and learning how to take care of myself. And at that point, like I just, when I was having my breakdown, I was actually, um, Considering driving to the Bradley Center, yeah. um, but I caught, got my counselor, my therapist on the phone, and she was talking with me, and she she's like, I think we need to get Kanan on here. And so she we got Kanan on. I think we were all like FaceTiming or whatever together. And I, at the time, I didn't understand what she meant, but she's like, you know, in, in terms of activation right now, on a scale of 1 to 10, uh, Carrie's at a 10. Yeah. You know, and you can't go anywhere. He was about to leave to go on a trip for work, you know? And Kanan was like, huh? <laughs> you know? And so just, we had that whole process. He, he took maybe a week or so off work just to be home with me so that we could set up some, some help for me. Right. You know, um, one of the things we did was have somebody come clean the house. Um, I reached out to people that could like help me with childcare. Um, we had, we asked people to bring us meals it was just like, the, you know, we're at this critical point, right? you know, especially me. And, you know, that was really a transition period because from that, from that point, like up to that point, I feel like I was sort of the, the, the force, 
that kept everything going with Caleb's care yeah. and our family. And now we flip flop. Right. And so now Canaan has really taken on that role. And so, you know, I'm starting to see in him some of the same signs oh, yeah. that I saw in me. And so it's like, okay, we've got to find a way. Balance. Try to. Try yeah. to find balance for sure. Yeah, which is difficult. But you're right. The first step is asking mm -hmm. for help. Or mm -hmm. really, first step is realizing you need it. Yeah, you need it. And yes. then instead of acting in some irrational way, you act right. rationally and ask for help, right? Which absolutely. is Which is difficult. And I just appreciate you sharing it, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, to kind of wrap up here, I'll yeah. ask you uh, the question I ask everybody. If you could go all the way back and talk to that 20-year-old <laughs> you, what what advice would you, would you give her? <laughs> you know, I really thought about that when I was looking at the question. And I was like, gosh, what? What would I say? And I was like, I was, I was like, I really want to come up with something profound that's going to sound good. And I was like, you know, the real truth is I would probably say nothing. I wouldn't tell myself anything. That's honesty right there. Or <laughs> I would tell myself to work harder in school. Yeah. Because I was in college and I didn't take it seriously. Yeah. And I was too interested in all the other stuff. Right. And so, but I was like, what if I had... Taking yeah. college more seriously, I probably wouldn't have met Canaan. That's true. Yeah. What were the what were the second and third order yeah. effects be? And then yeah. to not put words in your mouth or anything, but there's probably some thought in that. Mm -hmm. I know I had it. You can always go back to college and do things. Yes. But you had things in your life that came that took priority For over sure. you that you had to do and you never got to go back and, and address that, right? Those right. yourself. Yeah. So um, I really appreciate you yeah, doing this. Sure. It was amazing. Your stories, fun talking to you. your stories, amazing. Both of your stories are amazing. Mm -hmm. And I think if anything, you can just, if you listen to this, it doesn't matter what you're going through or what you've mm -hmm. been through, you can get through it, okay. right? You can get through it. Uh, it's, and you were able to do it with Canaan, right? Not, not without trial, I'm sure. Right. Oh, no. But, no. um, make sure you lean on somebody, find somebody and ask for help if you need help. Because yeah, people for help is not weakness. Yeah, people want to help. They really do, right? It's just yep. they don't know they where. They don't know how. They don't know how unless you unless you are you know you show them where you need the help. And That's right. I appreciate it. I know that people are going to like this episode. And Hope so. Hopefully, I Hope mean, it meets uh, the expectations. Even if uh, one person, you That's know, so man or woman, listens to this and finds something in it that says I need help or I can get through today because yeah. of Carrie's story. It's amazing. And for everybody out there, make sure you like, share, subscribe, and uh, check in with us on the next episode. Thanks, Carrie. It was fun. Thank you.